0: Good evening, and thank you for coming out on this Christmas Eve. My name is Dawson Hunt, as I mentioned earlier. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And, you know, over this Advent season, we have been looking at uh, this idea of why the God-man? Why is it important that God was created in the form of a man? Why did God send his son in flesh and blood? Why is it important and necessary? And we've seen over the course of this last month that he came like us, in flesh and blood, and, and, and face the same trials and temptations that we did, and yet, at the same time, He overcame them, right? That He conquered sin and death once and for all by being sinless and laying His life down. So I thought we would kind of continue in that same vein and just look at John 1.14. It's a very famous text when it comes to the Incarnation and talking about Jesus coming uh, in, in the flesh. And it, it says this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the on, only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in this text, he really, John will know his Old Testament, right? So this is in the New Testament where we're talking about Jesus, right? But he knows his Old Testament. So when he um, starts off from the beginning, he's actually talking going back to the beginning, the beginning of John chapter 1, he says this, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word of God is God's powerful self-expression in creation, revelation, and salvation. So when John, who walked with Jesus when he was alive, applies this to Jesus, the Son of God, he knows what he's doing. He is saying that this is God's ultimate self-disclosure of himself you know in in the text he says this uh, phrase he dwelt among us so the whole this whole one verse is really alluding all over the place to the old testament And this is taking us back to uh, the Jewish uh, people would have known this verb skenao in the Greek and it's rendered literally not in our English because it's a little clunky but if we're going to literally render it it's pitched his tabernacle or lived in a tent if you think back to the Old Testament time, God's very presence was in the tabernacle with his people. In Exodus 25, 8, God commanded the people of God. He said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. So in the Old Testament, there was a physical, localized presence of God amongst the people. Now. Now. These same words are applied to Jesus. In a fuller sense, Jesus now has taken up residency here with us. And I've mentioned this before, but my dad's a pastor, so often, so is my brother. So when we get together as a family like we did this week already, we get to, we, we talked about, the, the topic was, what are you preaching on Christmas Eve, right? That, that's what pastors' families talk about. So we all talked about it. And I told him, I'm t- preaching John 14. And he said, you should go look at the message. And he didn't tell me what it was. The message is a translation that's not a literal translation, but it's a paraphrase translation. what's supposed to be very um, accessible and easy for us to read, and very contemporary in its language. It's not supposed to be a literal translation. So I went to the message, and this is what it said: "The Word became flesh and blood, and He moved into the neighborhood." That is what Jesus did. That is like it's like not like b- biblical language, right? But it's beautiful because that's what He did. He came here and moved into our neighborhood. Like, he wants to be that close to you. He wants to be that close to all of us that he's going to move into your life, across the street, in your home. Yeah, I laughed. I laughed, too, when I saw it, too. I called him. I'm like, yeah, good one, Dad. I'm going to use it, but it's really funny. They're going to laugh at that, too. So later in the text, he says that we have seen his glory. And John, remember, he walked with Jesus and he, he knew that, that Jesus was God. And again, this is harking back to Exodus chapter 34. This whole thing is just alluding back over and over again to God's presence. It said in Exodus 40 that the cloud covered the tents of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So that was when the tabernacle was erected. But later, when the temple was erected in 1 Kings 8, it says this, When the priest came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house where God's presence was. The glory of the Lord was revealed. In our text today, Jesus in the flesh shows us God's own glory. And before, the glory of the Lord was revealed to people through a mysterious cloud. It was veiled. But now, He's here. He's in the flesh. There's no veil. He is here. Revealed as God's glory. And it goes on in the text to explain what this glory is. In the text, it says that it's full of grace and truth. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And these two adjectives are describing what the glory of God is in this text. So these uh, words—it's uh, again—it's alluding back to the Old Testament. John is just using us, taking us back and back and back. He's saying like, this is God's presence here. Grace and truth, charis and aletheia in the Greek will take us back to Exodus thirty-four which is God's uh, self-proclamation of who he was. If you remember, Moses is pleading to see God's glory. He says, I will give you a glimpse. You can see a little bit, but mostly I'm going to give you a word. This is what Exodus 34 says. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. In Jesus, we see the full manifestation of these characteristics God's glory, grace. It is central, central, central to the glory of God being revealed. That grace is God's favor towards people and His loving action in providing for their needs. And most importantly, it's providing salvation through for them through His Son. Truth, that the root meaning of this is God's reliability. One theologian says this, God is reliable both in His words and his actions and when the evangelist or john our author says the word incarnate was full of truth he is affirming that the reliability of action in the word predicated of god may also be predicated in the word or in jesus jesus is reliable and truthful speaks the truth embodies the truth about god and his plan for salvation so we see god's reliability in that while we were yet sinners Genesis 3 forward, he sends us his son to die on our behalf. The promised Messiah came in the incarnation, in grace, in God's favor towards you and me through the work of his son. And in truth, God's reliable, rel- reliability in his very being, that we can trust him no matter what is going on. God sent his own son to dwell amongst us, to move into our neighborhood. And he reveals God's very glory, glory to us my hope for you and me this christmas season that we would not just focus on the baby in the manger and the life that came in the baby in the manger but also in the life that he brings with him for his children that jesus was sent to reveal god's presence to all of us that he loved us enough to send his own son to be like us to be faced with the same trials temptations hurts Angers, everything that we face, yet He overcame them all. He conquered our greatest enemy, which is sin and death. Our sin has made us slaves to death, something we cannot escape. But by turning to this man, Jesus, trusting in Him, He brings life where there is death. And in, the, in, in His work alone, in His life alone, Death and resurrection is where you can find your true hope. So the call here is for us to trust in him this season. My prayer is that you will. Let's pray together. Father, we um, come before you in a hurried time, a hurried season where we often have a calendar that is full of very good things going on in our lives, whether that's family or friends or work things, whatever it may be, Father. But we now take a few moments just to pause and, and ask for your help that we may reflect on the true uh, meaning of this time that we get to celebrate Christmas, that you sent your son to live a life like we did in flesh and blood, to be tempted and and, and go through the same trials that we go through every day, and yet live a perfect life. And this led not to Him being made into a king, but for Him being slain on our behalf, dying for our sins, and raising on the third day to beat sin and death once and for all. Father, we thank You for Your Son. We thank You for this plan of salvation that You crafted from before the beginning of time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.